1: This is hard currency from the Financial Times. Much of the recent attention on foreign exchange markets has surrounded the dollar's steady rally and the steep and sustained decline in the pound. But on Monday morning this week, China's currency took back some limelight. In Hong Kong, the offshore unit of the currency, the CNH, which is not subject to trading limits, unlike its mainland counterpart, touched a record low against the US dollar. It came after Beijing policymakers allowed the midpoint of the trading band applied to the onshore version of the renminbi, the CNY, to fall. I'm Michael Hunter. Welcome to the FT's weekly tour of the world's single biggest market. Our guide this week is Geoffrey Yu head of, of the UK Investment Office of UBS Wealth Management. Geoffrey, thank you very much for coming in. What did you make of the rationale behind Monday's action in the offshore Ren NIMBY, the, the CNH?
0: It's a combination of factors and really I would say the two main ones are you know, firstly the dollar remains on the ascendancy for various reasons and the like any other currency really has to move accordingly to reflect that. The second point is you know, as you've mentioned we have had data so all sorts of data, you know, growth data and also reserve data, transactions data coming out of China as well and all the signs are that more money is leaking offshore again. And so you know, this has been a concern ever since last August, as you can imagine people were thinking it wasn't as much of a topic over the last two or three quarters or so but now this has come through again so i think the pboc in part is you know moving the cnh or rather allowing the cnh to move um, in some respects to reflect that you know there is a imbalance in terms of demand versus supply but at the same time we cannot exclude the probability um, that other counterparties they're putting on bets against the renminbi again
1: Okay. And how deeply does your subscription to the view that the People's Bank of China, the PBOC, is is more relaxed about letting the currency weaken after its inclusion in the International Monetary Fund's special drawing rights basket, which is, of course, the golden circle status for world currency?
0: Well, it's not exactly you know, linked, I think, to um, SDR inclusion. Remember, like this is something that they had been pushing for for some time now. So yes, SDR inclusion would demand changes in the FX regime, the you know, price formation, and things like that. But ultimately, if the current is allowed to move them, then it's a sign that the authorities are probably still relaxed at the pace of outflows, you know, irrespective of what offshore counterparties are saying. Um, so I think that still is the most important element. And at the same time, lest we forget, a weaker currency, that is a form of stimulus. Right. And in a globally weak inflation environment, especially in the APAC region, I think it's you know, necessary to actually use the currency as uh, much as they can. So I think broadly speaking, there will be tolerance as long as they feel it's under control.
1: And do you get a sense that there's a premium set by Chinese policymakers on this sort of steady considered approach to their actions?
0: Well, I think two parts to that question there. Firstly, there's a communication premium, right? So one of the biggest faults, so to say, last August and when there was a so-called evaluation right, relative to how much sterling has moved of late, I think it's a, a um, trivial move. Um, but a lot of people um, criticised the way it was communicated, and PBOC actually, um, to their credit, acknowledged this. Uh, so, um, if they feel that through, you know, guiding the fixes and allowing CNH, um, you know, to reflect uh, the balance of transactions and the like, I think you know, that already is sending a message to the market um, to, you know, allow or to respect the RMB new behavior that's behaving like a normal currency but again secondly though the other premier I would say still is as I alluded to earlier there is the monetary policy premier or the policy premier in general you know so whether that can actually be a source of stimulus for the economy and also help I would say you know catalyze some of the adjustments that are needed you know as we know you know China is rebalancing it's still relatively um addicted to credit it's something that the PBOC you know wants to you know wean the economy off from so you know the fact that the way the transmission works is if the CNY is or CNH if it's weakening then most likely, you know, money is, you know, moving outside um, of the country and the monetary base will contract at the same time. So that is a tightening that actually serves to tighten credit. So, you know, these two stabilise against each other. It's all about, you know, managing the process, make sure things don't get out of control.
1: And of course, the PBOC is effectively managing two currencies, isn't it?
0: Yes. Well, it's something that they have been trying. So that gap between CNY and CNH, both the price gap and also the price formation gap, um, the mechanism gap, it's something that they've been trying to close for some time now because um, you don't want to create arbitrage opportunities.
1: So the offshore enemy, the CNH, is the one which has more international attention and CNY, the onshore currency, is one that's used mainly in, in, in mainland China. What kind of attention do you pay to that gap between the two? What does that tell you as somebody who watches this so closely?
0: So there is a new theory coming out right now that um, because we know capital controls are relatively um, stringent in China. So there is this new view that if you take CNY out of the country without a corresponding FX transaction, and then it becomes CNH, you know, be it in Hong Kong, or be it just offshore room and be cleared in London, um, Vancouver, or, or whatnot, then this is actually an easier form to take money at but then there's going to be an fx transaction there okay. so um, as you mentioned earlier it's um so sure it, uh, the cnh um, is more liberal but it's also more liberal as and you can convert it into anything else right nice. and that goes um for any form of offshore RMB as well so if those credit lines are enlarging and that causes um, a widening gap between cnh and cny it may actually add greater credence um, to this so-called you know, new route for capital outflows so it's capital outflows without an fx component Mm -hmm. And the beauty of this is, depending on your point of view, is uh, that it won't show up on the PBOC's balance sheet, so it won't show up on the Reserve's balance sheet, but the FX risk is held elsewhere but um, probably by an overseas branch of a Chinese state bank. So the ultimate risk, the final risk still lies within China, but um, it's just pushing it into a different entity and the market um, has not, let's just say, fully decided to track those flows yet. I, I think see. it's still a working process. And another
1: string to the bow in many ways, and another thing to watch. Uh, we saw some September reserve sales data this week, um, which is seen in the market as one of the best indicators of China's effects interventions, the scale of those in the market. Um what do you look for in that kind of data
0: so you mentioned the word interventions right which is um very important now uh, sometimes the transactions and um, data uh, on the part of um, commercial banks is that fully reflected in interventions you know data you know that really remains um to be seen because intervention data shows up um, as you know changes in um, China's reserves at the end of the day and the other thing is you know this only captures what happens onshore so FX demand onshore again it's a good um, barometer but right now people are asking is it a complete barometer, right? Because this won't capture what's going on offshore with CNH and I think near that perhaps um, at least um, I think the street in general is starting to converge towards a view that those flows are as important if not right now more important than what we need to track onshore as well but the bottom line is money probably is still leaving the economy and that's something for the pboc um, to manage and to make sure it's still under control
1: and how big a theme do you think this is going to be as we move into the final part of the year is this something which will dominate the outlook before we, we the calendars turn over
0: not if the pboc could help it because um, they saw the sort of quote-unquote damage you know to sentiment that uh, the currency um, dealt um, on the economy last year and at the beginning of this year. I don't think they uh, would want to repeat that. Um, So, you know, greater control, again, allowing depreciation, allowing that release valve um, to be in place, um, but making sure it's within their tolerance thresholds as well and it wouldn't derail um, the wider economy. I think as far as China's concerned, the wider issue still is growth and rebalancing. And to be honest, onshore over the last two months, people really haven't been talking about the exchange rate. It's been more about the property market. Market and the numbers showing up there, so I think you know that tells you a focus on the Chinese economy. It really is haphazard sometimes. There are so many different things, so many moving parts.
1: So there's a lot to watch there. Uh, now, Jeffrey, I can't let you go without us taking a quick look at the outlook for U.S. monetary policy. We have an almost a mini meeting of the Federal Reserve next week, at which we're not expecting anything to happen. But expectations for a December rate rise have been steadily growing. What are your thoughts?
0: That is our view as well. I think the market is approaching towards fully pricing that in for December. Again, I think the next rate hike is not as consequential as um, the broader outlook for the Fed. So where are terminal rates going to be? And I, I try to remind clients that we're a very different environment. Now the Fed's terminal rates projections are struggling to hold 3%, whereas in the last cycle, we were above 5 right? So if that is a reflection of where trend growth is in the US and where the US economy is, then we have to factor that into our asset Allocation as well, uh, you know, when we tell our clients how they should be positioned strategically and tactically. So, less inclined to focus uh, on the outcome, much more focused on their projections.
1: Excellent, Geoffrey. Thank you very much. As ever, we have a lot to follow, a lot to track, not just in China and the US, but around the market. That's it for this week, though, from Hard Currency. Until Roger Blitz returns next time, you can keep up with all that action and all the latest news and analysis at ft.com. Slash markets and at fast ft.